Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. I'm going to start this morning by reading the passage. We've been going through um, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, and particularly the, the uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount where there's six different areas of life that he talked about. So let me just read the passage, and then I'll, I'll comment on it. Chapter 5, verse 43, where Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people... What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the reading of God's word. So the first verse, well, yeah, the first verse, no, 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 no. Sorry. Can I start over? I mean, I'm going (laughs) to. So the series we've been doing is called So You've Heard. And in these six weeks, this is the sixth week, What we've been talking about is the group of people at the time had an understanding, and some of it was was correct, about what it was that God told them to do. But also some of it was incorrect or incomplete. And so Jesus says, you've heard it this way. Now I'm going to tell you the fuller picture of what it means to live God's will, God's ways. Verse 43 is another example of that. Where Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the love your neighbor part is in Leviticus. Love your neighbor is part of what it says in Leviticus. It is a quote from the Bible that we have right here. The hate your enemy is not a quote from the Bible. But it just made sense. It was a quote of something that those Jewish people would have known, which basically says, when people are coming against you, then we have a right to go right back against them. In fact, we may even have an obligation to go right back against them. Give it back to them. That's what it was. And Jesus says, that's what you've heard, but now I'm going to tell you what, what really would be following through in God's will and ways. Now, we don't have the same Jewish understanding that they had living as first century uh, Jewish people, but there are many things in which we just have come to believe this is how it is. This is what reality is, including this is what reality is as a Christian. This is what Christians think. But sometimes we need to pause and reflect, would Jesus say something different? Is part of what I think to be true and godly and right and Christian because I'm an American or because it's what Jesus said? So, for instance, what have you heard about guns and the Second Amendment? What do you think Jesus says about guns and the Second Amendment? Now, I want to mention a few things before I give my own two cents on that. One is, it seems to me that when there's um, sort of an incident with the police or a mass shooting or something, 
in our world, there are commentators, there are politicians that within a first hour are immediately weighing in without even knowing what's happened yet. But they're just falling into their own categories already. And what happens, I think, sometimes is that people who have gone through a great tragedy are just like pawns in it, are just, you know, it's just insensitive. And so I don't want to be doing anything like that. But the flip side would be, if things are happening in our world, and then we just say, I say nothing about it, that's probably not great either. What, what does the Bible, what does the Lord have to say about it? Now, as I do that, I want you to know, I am not at all trying to speak into what, what the gun laws should be in our country. That's, that's not my, my intent at all. Um, and I'm going to use a specific example, specific person, specific company. I'm not meaning to pick on that company. There are several gu gun companies that are doing similar things or would say similar, you know, say things in a similar way. And nobody has to agree with me on this, by the way. What I am doing is saying sometimes we think something and we've thought it for so long and it's so ingrained that we've never stopped and paused and said, now, what Jesus says, does that match this? So all I'm doing is saying, okay, what you already think, does it match what Jesus says? Enough disclaimers? Probably not, actually. But I got to just go, keep going. All right. So one of the things that caused attention based on the, the school shooting in Texas was the, that the company that made the gun that was used by the, the shooter um, had posted on May 16th a, a picture on their Twitter account of an, a toddler child holding an assault rifle with the quote, train a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it with the prayer emoji. And so that, is, that has uh, created some criticism. That happened to be on the 18th birthday. They posted it on the 18th birthday of the shooter. So that's getting attention. Now, train a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. How, is, that, is that fitting? Well, I would say if you have a child, a grandchild, a family friend, your mentoring nephew, niece, whatever... That, you, that is going to hunt or be in shooting club or something, I think it's helpful to teach them to respect the gun, to uh, go for safety. And so maybe there's a way that you could take that. I don't think that's actually what was being communicated there. Okay? So in light of that, some people are quoting the, the head of the company, who did an interview in 2017 and said this, we are in business, we believe, to be a supporter of the gospel and therefore a supporter of the Second Amendment. We are in business, we believe, to be a supporter of the gospel and therefore a supporter of the Second Amendment. If you are a supporter of the gospel, are you automatically a supporter of the Second Amendment? Is that what flows from the gospel? 
That's my question I want us to think about a little bit. Because whether it's this person or someone else, for many people, the two are very connected. God and guns, Christianity and gun rights, the gospel and the Second Amendment, right together. And that is what I want us to reflect on a little bit. Not what the gun laws should be or shouldn't be. Is the gospel and the Second Amendment right here? In other words, not only do we have these Second Amendment rights because God gave them to us, but also because of the gospel. It's out there. Many think that. Many haven't really thought about how much they put those two things together. But what is the gospel? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him shall have eternal life. His son gave his rights, Philippians 2. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant, of a slave, becoming obedient even to death. Jesus gave up rights to love people. That's the gospel. And then he says, follow me. Whoever will lose their life for my sake will find it. But whoever hangs on to their life, they'll lose it. I think one of the... I, I went and tried to read... I could not find the whole transcript because I don't want to take this person out of context. The, the articles mostly that this is quoted from are hostile to this person. I found an article that's very sympathetic to this person. And I think they're trying to say is, you know, we need to be able to defend the gospel if, if it came to that. So, Jesus, when the swords came out in the garden, well, one, he said, he said bring two swords. I never understood why he said to bring two swords, but he said to bring two swords. In one of the, but when the, one of them came out, he said, put it away. So I could call on all kinds of angels right now for that said. And once he said, we're not fighting, we're not using our weapons, they left him. Until they came back to him. And then his followers Church history says they gave their lives for him. So that is something we need to take into account out of all this. And the reason that I bring this up is that there are people who say no to the gospel, no to Jesus. I don't need any of that. And they reason a toddler with an assault rifle. Well, that's not the gospel, and that's not Jesus. But many have put those two things together. 
many Christians have put those two things together. And so many non-Christians just see those two things as the same. I don't think they are. Now, in this room, I would imagine we have some people who have some pretty passionate feelings about gun rights, about that we should have, you know, right to carry arms and, and the Second Amendment, all that. Going back to the passage today, I would say, verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, those who you find who are for gun control, love them. Pray for them. Not just prayers like, hey, change those SOBs' minds so they get it. Love them. Pray for them. There are some, perhaps, in this room who are passionate about gun control. They think we should have some different laws. If that's you, when you think about the NRA, when you run into people who are passionately pro-gun, love them. Pray for them. Talk about them respectfully. Give your opinion? Sure. Speak truthfully from your perspective? Yes. But in what does Jesus say? Because what we've heard and what we see is not love the people on the other side of this issue if you're passionate about it. Pray for the people who are on the other side of the issue if you're passionate about it. So stepping away from guns, back to the passage, we have all kinds of opportunities to do this. Jack Deere is someone, is, he was a professor for many years at a seminary, and he taught the original languages, Hebrew and Greek, that the Bible was written in. And so he would get the question often, what translation should I use? You know, there's all kinds of translations, English translations of the Bible. Which translation is the best, since he was such an expert in it? And he would say, I would use the one that says, love your enemies. They all say, love your enemies. And his point was, if, you, if we get that figured out, then we can worry about the details of whether the Greek really meant this or that. Can we do this? And my answer off the, right off the bat is, nah. Not in my own strength. That's not what flows naturally. If you think about your ex, or your parent, or your child, or your boss, or your coworker, or the person that's posting things about you, or the one that's bullied you, love them? Do good to them when that's not what's coming your way? This is really hard to do. So we're going to get into what would motivate us to do this today, what would help us to do this, and next week I'm going to finish this series by talking about how, a little bit more about how do we do any of these things. How do we not be angry? How do we not let our desires consume us? All of that. I'm going to talk about that in a broader way, okay? But I want to make one more just sort of aside. Again, this is coming from recent news things that some of you may perhaps have caught, caught wind of or, or seen. 
What this does not mean is just allow yourself to be abused. Just let abusers go. Because it, in, the, in a certain uh, group of, of churches that's different from our own, own stream, what has, been, what has come out is that there have been many, many, many cases where church leaders have misused, abused their power to people, most often men to women, and the response of the church was to cover it up. That is not what this is saying. The reality that we're supposed to forgive people, that's not what that's about. You can't use forgiveness to say to a victim, so see, now we don't need to do anything about it. That's not what that's about. And if you're in a home where you're being abused, forgiving them, loving them, praying for them does not mean staying in the home. In any, it doesn't mean we need to relate to people in the same way. If we are chronically in a situation, we can, we can give a boundary. We can say yes. We can say no. We can, we can bring justice or right response. All of that is appropriate. I thought Judd did a masterful job, because the passage before this is, is quite connected, at distinguishing what is personal revenge, retaliation, compared to what's the judicial thing. What's this the way to handle situations in life and do it appropriately? Because God is a God of justice. He set up that his people would, would go from a place of justice, bring about justice. But it's, it's when we come for revenge, then we are just doing the same thing that other people are doing. Then we live in that same spirit. And so Jesus taught very intentionally. He started with anger. Do not stay angry. Now, if we can remove anger from our life, then as we keep progressing, we could maybe love our enemies. But if we're someone who's angry, who's ticked off, who don't cross him, you know better than me. Oh, you know what'll happen if I get, oh, and we wear it like a badge of honor and we stew on it. If we're that kind of person, then when it comes to loving our enemies, we're not going to do very well because we're full of anger. In fact, two people could respond the exact same way to a situation in which they're wronged or a situation where someone's trying to do them harm. They could do the exact same thing, but one, it would come across well, and the other would not because one is full of anger. They're doing the right thing. They're smiling. When the, they're smiling. They're being good. They're kind. I prayed for them. Oh, yeah, I prayed for them. So we start with the simplest of things. When someone looks at me funny, I can get over it. But I'm telling you, I can't believe in these six weeks, well, before that, the series even started, how many times one little thing, and I have to remind myself, like, oh yeah, it's just better not to be angry. And then I realize, I really didn't need to be angry. That wasn't worth being angry. If we can't get that down, it's hard to progress to our enemies. If you go on to verse 45... We do this, if we do this, we look like God. Children of him. We resemble God. I, I think I've said this before. Some of my kids, even since the time of the baby, they look like you. They resemble me. What's really interesting to me is how often adopted kids look like their parents. Right? 
adopted kids of a different race start to have a resemblance of their parents. It's amazing. People that have been married for a long time, they start to look alike. No offense, Camille. You were pretty <laughs> once, but now it's starting to come down a little bit. Anyway. Boy, I'm getting way off subject. The, <laughs> the, the, uh, the point is, in this passage, we're saying, if you love, if you let goodness flow, you look like God. Right? Because he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteousness and unrighteous. He, he doesn't wait for like, have you done enough for me? Have you changed enough for me? Do you acknowledge me enough? Do you pray enough? Then I might do something good for you. He just sends goodness. He just created life. He just gave sunshine. He just gave kids. He just does things like that because he's good. He is so good. It just flows from him. And people can literally give him the middle finger with their life, and he's like, I will still give you goodness. That's who he is. And that's who he's made us to become, is people like that. And so as we choose it, we can do it. But we live in a world that makes our friends our enemies. He's encouraging like, hey, you can make your enemies your friends. That, and that, that has happened many times. We live in a world that's the opposite. I was reading an article recently where they just did an analysis and they said, we've always had cancel culture. Or at least for many years we've had cancel culture. What has changed recently is it used to be if you were this kind of person way over here and you had someone who had a different position over here, then you canceled them. But now... It's whether left or right, if you aren't pure enough, you start canceling each other on your own side. Right? So, you know, a guy comes up to another guy and he, they get talking and he says, you're a Christian? I'm a Christian. Really? I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Really? Well, you're part of a denomination? No, I'm non-denominational. Me too. Non-denominational. That's great. It's like a congregationalist. Non-denominational congregationalist? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Are you a dispensationalist? Actually, I am. I'm a dispensationalist. So you're a, non, you're a congregationalist, non-denominational congregationalist dispensationalist. Yes, me too. So are you premillennialist or are you uh, yeah, premillennialist or amillennialist or postmillennialist? I'm premillennialist. I'm premillennialist too. So what about the rapture? Are you pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib? I'm pre-trib heretic, and he walks away. <laughs> that is what it's like, though, right now, including in Christian streams. People are canceling who's coming to sing, canceling who's coming to speak, because they, they didn't say something bad enough about those Christians over there. Where is the heart of Jesus? Love everybody. Love your enemies. Let goodness flow. That is the call. And then you look like God. Then you look like God. So, just changed my mind. It's Memorial Weekend. That's it. That's the sermon. God is good, and his goodness flows. And his goodness flows. 
and his goodness flows to good people and to bad people and to you. That's it. And he says, I can make you look like that. I made you to look like a person where goodness flows. And what I'm realizing is for me to operate in that kind of flow, I need to focus less on the people. And do I love my enemies enough? And do I agree? I need to focus on, you love me. You love me. So let's close today by just focusing on that. We'll have the worship team come up. Now before we close in song, we just open our hearts to you. We can know in our heads that you're good, that your goodness can flow to us, that you're for us, that you don't treat us as our sins deserve, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. While we were even your enemies, you loved us and gave yourself for us. We can know those things. We want to actually know them, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. So would your goodness flow? Would you release goodness into our lives right now? As your goodness is flowing, if there's a person or a group of people that you want us to pray for and bless that doesn't come naturally to us, would you bring it to our mind right now? And then would you supply the goodness to say that prayer? Let it flow. invite you to stand now. Keep letting your goodness flow as we focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen.